Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, we are bringing you bad news on this Monday, as the Sabres have now lost two straight out of the All-Star break as they fell 3-1 to to the St. Louis Blues on Saturday, this coming after a 2-1 to loss against the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. UPL was stellar in both of these games. Across both games, he allowed two goals on 56 shots, and the Sabres, for their efforts, were only able to score two across these two games. Taylor, it was not ideal. The offense is just not working right now i think it's it's funny because we're hearing all of these reports which we're going to get to after about the sabers wanting to add potentially on the blue line or a net and i feel like my head's spinning here because it's very evident that the problem is that they're not scoring goals so what are your thoughts on the loss to the blues and where the sabers are at right now yeah i find that one of the main ways you can win hockey games is by scoring goals it's one of the big things and i know the late 90s and early 2000s sabers tried to prove that wrong but historically, scoring goals is pretty important. So I'd get around to doing that if I were the Sabres. Uh, this is an unacceptable situation, honestly. It's getting pretty ridiculous. I think there's no way to paint yourself as an organization that has any level of standards if you're going to just allow a season like this to happen. Uh, I believe Aaron, who we, we shout out every once in a while, his name is Aaron23 on Twitter. He pointed out the Sabres are 5-5 five and five in a stretch where UPL has almost a 940 save percentage. So... It's clear to me after these two games, Dallas and St. Louis, that to whatever extent the Sabres, quote-unquote, turned things around or righted the ship over the previous month when they were above 500, it was all a function of their schedule. And as I said before, with the easy schedule they had throughout basically December and January, uh, they should have been like a 70-point percentage in those. They obviously were not. They were just barely uh, above, you know, one point per game. So – It's just totally unacceptable to me. Uh, Their offense is dead. The arena sounds like a funeral and it's, it's terrible. It's it's, they're so feeble and it's so strange because last year, even at even strength, you know, the power play obviously scored a lot, but they were just good. They were, you know, they scored four goals and probably more than half their games last year. And they had so many guys and they just, it's insane. They're all bad now. I guess Tate Thompson just not good anymore. Tate Thompson just doesn't score goals anymore. Jeff Skinner in the second half of the season. Not, well, I shouldn't say second half, but 
in the last 20 games or so. Just doesn't score anymore. I mean, Tuck's still good. The first half of the season, Dylan Cousins just doesn't score. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's making me feel insane. It is. And I think part of the problem, too, is that it's one thing if it was just puck luck and guys not having a finishing a finishing touch. But you watch them game to game, and they are just not generating many high-danger chances. It feels like a lot of their shots are coming from the perimeter. And it's been like a running joke, I feel like, all year that they just keep trying to set up these just contested and sloppy point shots that are low percentage. The lanes are clogged, and it it just feels insane that they could take a step back to this level like you're saying it, it just does and not it feels compute. like <laughs> yeah they have not really adjusted at all on a coaching level so i know i've like i've said it before i like don granado he is a better coach than any of the Sabres' last five coaches but this is this is year four for him it's full his third full season uh he's got to go there's no way you can paint this as an acceptable season. Not uh, at all. It, and I think it's it's not just results. It's it, I think he's been exposed as a bad tactical coach at the NHL level. I, I think he gets outcoached pretty often. I think people saw the Sabres offense uh, last year, and they, they treated a little different this season, like you just mentioned, clogging lanes and all that stuff, and there's just no answer. And it's not really a tail issue. And that's not even to mention the, the power play, which is a disgrace. Uh, it's to, to me that just it just screams bad coach. It what it really reminds me of, unfortunately, is kind of the Phil Housley era where it just felt like he had no answers for anything. He he was a master looking befuddled, and Granado is starting to get there. I don't think he really has answers. Well, I, I think the entire story of this, while obviously there's a lot of context and nuance, I think that it's it's pretty simple where things have gone wrong. And I'll preface by saying I think it's important that we absolutely can acknowledge the fact that the roster as it stands right now isn't good enough. That being said, though, it is not this bad. It is not as bad as we had seen it. And so you look at what has changed year over year. It's been admitted in press conferences by both the players and the coaching staff that they changed the function of how they were playing in the offensive zone. They, they changed their structure in general. Let's just say that. They completely changed the structure and the design of their game. Yeah. To become more defensive, to clean up in their own zone more. And in turn, again, maybe not as directly, but at least it's been acknowledged by the coaching staff that it was stymieing their offense. This was acknowledged after 35 games. Like you let it last that long of trying this system that clearly wasn't working, that was clearly trying to put square parts into a circle peg, and it just clearly was not working. Clear as day. So here we are now, a couple months after that, the season has clearly not gone in any way according to plan. And so to me, I feel like the the path forward here is pretty simple. And first and foremost, it's to fire the coach. Show you have some standards. Other teams around the league who were in better positions than the Sabres were have fired their coach so far into just this season alone. What is Granado now, Taylor? Like the sixth or seventh longest tenured coach in the league right now? I saw the stat that everyone ahead of him, everyone that's longer tenured, has at least seven playoff series wins. (laughs) Sabres have not been to the playoffs. All right. Well, then there you go. So there's step one. 
after that, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think the move is that you have to hire somebody that has a proven track record of winning at the NHL level. Maybe you don't find somebody that's exactly perfect or anything like that, but just a guy that you know can get the job done because 13 years without a playoff berth is just beyond embarrassing, going on 14 years now. So get somebody that has the experience to be able to get you over the hump. We're going to keep saying it until we're both blue in the face. I know Bruce Boudreaux is the one that just feels like it checks all the boxes for a guy that can get you there and maximize your offense. Either way, though, regardless of who it is, you get a new vision in place then. Because then you know, okay, you know what? We've gotten rid of one of the problems, which is coaching. Let's get a new vision in place, and let's see how the guys react. Let's see who stands out and shows their worth. Let's see who is going to solidify their standing on this team or show that they're not a part of the plan. And through seeing how those guys operate and getting a fresh face in the room and a fresh voice in the room, I think that then sets you up to figure out where you need to fill your holes in in the upcoming offseason. I would say it's probably pretty obvious right now, and I can't foresee a whole lot of change in terms of what their needs are now compared to what they're going to be, you know, four or five months from now, once we get into June, July and into the off season a little bit further, but either way, playoffs are pretty much all but gone at this point your opportunity, your window to, to make it in this year is just getting slimmer and slimmer by the day with each passing loss. And as all of these other teams around you, some middling, some are able to are taking advantage of, of moving up the standings a little bit here. And as it stands right now, Taylor, if the season ended at the time of us recording this episode, the Sabres, I believe would have the sixth highest odds at the first overall pick. Yuck. That doesn't Can feel good. Sad about that. Go ahead. He was born the week after the Hurricanes eliminated the Sabres in the 2006 Eastern Conference Final. The first pick, Macklin Celebrini. I'm assuming. You know more about prospects. He's going to be the first pick. I don't think I want to record this episode anymore. (laughs) Should we talk uh, about something else that's not this? Or and or do you want to hear a word from our sponsors? I guess we should do that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Things are getting sad. All right. We know hockey games move fast. But with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Now, Monday, when you listen to this, there's four NHL games on tonight. You can make a bevy of different bets on uh, any of those games. Money line, or puck line, I guess you would call it. Uh, over-unders on the final score. First goal score. You know, all different kinds of things you can bet on. And the way to do that is to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can bet 5 bucks on the NHL and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In your call, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. The Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age very bad jurisdiction, Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are their registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024, all rights reserved. We're back. We're back. We're back. Well, do we want to talk any more hockey? Should we look at the road ahead for the Sabres, the week ahead, I should say? Yeah. You know, I actually had a thought when you were talking about the coach thing. What's uh, that? Knowing how our owner operates, 
What are the odds New Jersey misses the playoffs, fires rough, and the Sabres hire him in the offseason? Brendan, your thoughts? I'm going to put it at least 60%. <laughs> if we're being honest, I don't know. Do you think? I mean, I feel like there's a likelihood of it, and I don't think that's really what I want as much as I love Lindy to death and will, like, w- w- you know, I. I go to bat for Lindy any day of the week, but I don't know if he's what this team needs right now. Yeah. God, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I haven't thought it through. I just think, I just realized that like, uh uh-oh, this feels like a distinct possibility now. It very well could be, my friend. It very well could be. Well, let's look at the road ahead for the Sabres, though, for this upcoming week, and it doesn't really get much easier. You have the L.A. Kings coming to town on Tuesday to play the Sabres. They follow that up with the Panthers coming to town and Sam Reinhart and his red-hot season that he's been having this year. That is on Thursday, and they close out the week on Saturday against Minnesota. After that, they have Anaheim next on Monday the 19th. But you have three games coming up this week, Taylor, against teams that are no slouches and that can win pretty much on any given night, especially in the first two in the case of L.A. and the Panthers and Minnesota is no slouch either. So how are we feeling about this week ahead? <sighs> you know what? Not that bad, honestly. I actually think Minnesota is a slouch. I don't think they're very good. Um, I don't know why they've gotten suddenly significantly worse this season. It's kind of a strange thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not too worried about them. Florida's great. I think my opinion, Florida is actually the best team in the Atlantic. I don't know if they're going to win it because the Bruins have just been tremendous on special teams, but I think basically top to bottom roster wise, goaltending defense, everything Florida's got it. In my opinion, I think Florida is really good. So I don't feel great about that. Uh, LA interesting. Uh, they have been kind of, eh, for the past six weeks or so they've been faltering. Their goaltending has been killing them. Yeah, their goaltending is a real problem. So I actually think two of these three games are very winnable. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to – so I guess mark it down as beating Florida and losing to the other two somehow um, based on how this season's gone. But yeah, I, I I really only fear Florida out of those three teams. But like I said, I think, they, I think they're real uh, President's Trophy contenders, which they won two years ago. Yeah. They're about as good as anybody, and that offense is humming. Sam Reinhardt is having a, a career year yet again with them. They're going to be scary. They're going to be scary. They're a good team. I'm interested to see how or if they're going to add at the deadline at all. Yeah, that, I mean, that is interesting. I don't know what they need. I mean, I guess you could always use an extra guy, an extra scorer, maybe an extra defenseman. Maybe they could use Kyle Oposo. I see he's been uh, named a trade rumors. Well, we need to actually talk about that before we move on to talking a little bit of football. Uh, the big news this week, actually, was that there were several reports regarding the Sabres and the upcoming trade deadline, namely Casey Middlestat. First, it was brought up by, I believe, Andrew Peters that the Sabres are actively shopping him. After a couple of folks were able to get confirmation, it turns out that's not exactly the case. The Sabres have been taking calls on him, though, but are not actively seeking that out. Chad Dominicus followed up and said that from his sources and what he's been hearing, that they aren't actively shopping him. They are taking the calls, and he feels as though at this time, it's more likely that Middlestat re-signs rather than getting traded elsewhere. Hmm. Again, as you had mentioned before, both Kyle Opozo and Zemgis Gergensons were brought up as, as potential trade deadline targets for the Sabres. Both have one year left on their deals. I think 
you know, we could talk about all these guys, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the Sabres to con- consider trading them. Obviously, Opozo being the captain and Gergensen's also being a big part of this leadership group. That would be a tough blow to the room, seemingly. But as we have seen over and over again, almost to a fault, this team has a, uh, how do I want to put this? an over insistence on doing right by guys so much so that it was even brought up with regard to Eric Johnson. I believe it was David Pagnota or somebody had brought it up at least that when it comes to Eric Johnson, Kevin Adams isn't committing to moving him because he first wants to have a conversation with his agent and with the player himself. That admittedly kind of annoyed me a bit, Taylor. Like I, again, I understand you're wanting to do right by guys, but what if Eric Johnson says that he doesn't want to get traded, are you really not going to trade him? This kind of goes back to what we've been talking about where they're, they're just, I don't want to say like they're, they're being too nice, but they're kind of being pushovers. It feels like rather than being on the attack and trying to add all that being said, of course, Obviously, this will contradict what I was just saying, but then Elliot Friedman went on to saying that the Sabres are looking to be active and they're looking to add somebody to the roster that can help them right now. So a lot to digest there, Taylor. What are your thoughts on all of these reports that have been swirling over the weekend with regard to the Sabres and some potential moves? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So the three guys that are most likely to get traded, seemingly, uh, I don't really I, – I guess I do get why someone would trade for a Poso as a playoff contender, maybe even Gergensen's. The Eric Johnson thing, I can't believe anyone actually wants him. but Right-handed defenseman. Yeah. Uh, but generally, the middle stat stuff, yeah, I'd prefer to re-sign him, but I, we've talked about this recently. You can trade him, but it, it has to be part of, like, bringing a guy in. A guy. I feel like – better than this. The approach with Middlestad for me is that that needs to be be a deal that if you are trading him, you are getting the best player in the deal back. Yeah, like th- exactly. I don't want them to try and make a trade for somebody because they're trying to address a need or something and using him as an asset. I want that to be the kind of move where like you know you are getting the best guy. You're having to give up Middlestad plus something else, and you're going out and you're making a significant addition to your roster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's basically how I felt about it. Um, I mean, he's just been good. So it's it's also a tough thing because it's like, well, not as much room on the power play. He's going to be the third center. You have two centers locked up for a while. It's tough to pay him more than $7 million, considering all that stuff. Yep. On the other hand, it's tough to walk, and it's tough to find a trade necessarily, especially if you're, you know, you're going to want to trade picks or prospects. I don't think that's a good idea. Trade for picks or prospects, I said. Oh, agreed for sure. I mean, I'm with you that I'm much more in the camp of wanting to hang on to him rather than, you know, kicking him out the door or anything like that or trying to move him. But again, if I think the the fact remains and it is a fact that they need some kind of a shakeup to that forward group, there's talent there. Undeniably, there is talent there that should be far out, uh, far exceeding what we have seen from them to date this season. And I think if we're being real, like goaltending has been great. So again, UPL obviously has been holding it down. That's excellent. But in terms of what the needs are here, I mean, I think that you just need a drastic addition to the forward group and probably a pretty notable addition to the D the, to the decor as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's not as pressing of a need maybe as a, as forward, but you have the ability and the assets to maintain the core that you have in place 
while still giving up enough to make a couple of those major additions. And it is of the utmost importance that Kevin Adams does this. The, the team just needs a shot in the arm. And with along with all of this, again, it needs to be stated. They, they need a fresh vision and a fresh voice in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's just no way around it. Uh, you're a real NHL team. You really care about winning the Stanley Cup. You have to have standards. What's going on right now is not acceptable. Things have to change. Absolutely. It shows that they don't have standards. It's like, it's undeniable and it's embarrassing. Yeah. They just are no, a deeply unserious franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, from my sources, I'll say, uh, some people I know that went to the game, uh, which first of all, actually, I forgot to say this. Happy birthday, Sabretooth. Love Sabretooth. One of the only good things about this organization. But I, I heard one person say, quote, it was the worst Sabres game they've ever been to. Holy Jesus. Yeah. So it's wow. like things are getting bad. It's quiet in there. It's people are not enjoying it. Understandably so. It's not exactly a great uh great vibes to hang out and write about now. Yeah. Well, Taylor, do we want to get into a, a quiz and some football talk here? Let's do it. All right. Well, folks, we are recording this before the Super Bowl matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs. And the San Francisco 49ers. And Taylor, I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to share on the game, but we were going to do a Super Bowl-themed quiz today for today's episode. Yeah, go Niners. Go Niners, simple enough. All right, Taylor, so the quiz that I have prepared for you today is going to start off with a question. You get to have a little bit of say here in terms of what direction that this quiz is going to go. Three decades, we're going to go through each of the decades, and you're going to tell me the leading passer, rusher and receiver from each of the Super Bowl winning teams in either the 90s, the 2000s, or the 2010s. Which of the decades do you want to tackle? Let's go with the aughts. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start off in the year 2000. This matchup, of course, between the St. Louis Rams and the Tennessee Titans with the Rams coming out on top. Taylor, who is the leading passer, rusher, and receiver from the Rams? Oh, so, okay. It's you're doing it what year at the Super Bowl took place. Yes. Oh, okay, I see. That's good. All right. Well, this is an easy one to start. Is it Warner and Falk as the passer and rusher? Receiver could be one of two guys, but I'm gonna say Isaac Bruce. You are correct on all three. Kurt Warner threw for 414 yards. Marshall Falk ra- uh, rushed actually for only 17 yards in this one. Uh Robert Hulk uh Holcomb right behind him there with uh, 11 yards on one attempt, but Marshall Falk made up for it with 90 yards receiving. And yes, you are correct. Isaac Bruce had 162 yards on six catches in this win for the Rams. Moving on Taylor, 2002 Baltimore and the giants. Baltimore takes this one. Give me the leading passer, rusher and receiver. Okay. Um, well, Dilfer. Correct. Trent Dilfer. Uh, okay. And this is the game, right? Not the season. We didn't game. Yes. Okay. For the game. Rusher Jamal Lewis. Correct. Yep. 102 yards on 27 carries. Okay. So I'm going to say Trent Dilfer did not throw for very many yards, but he did have a big touchdown to Brandon Stokely. So that kind of has to be Stokely. It is Brandon Stokely. You are correct there. Three receptions for 52 yards and Dilfer only threw for 153 yards in this one. That game stunk. 
Indeed it did. Speaking of games that stink, we unfortunately are at the first New England Patriots Super Bowl of the Tom Brady era. Taylor, I obviously gave one away there, but give me your passing or passer, rusher, and receiver. Well, Tom Brady passer, but only like 140 yards. Correct. Uh, War Super Bowl MVP right there with 07 Eli. We'll get to him in a minute, I guess. Uh, Antoine Smith was their running back, Bill's legend. Damn right, and he was their leading rusher. Leading receiver in that game. Oh, boy. Is it Troy Brown? Wow. Well done, sir. Six receptions for 89 yards. Wow. On to the next, sir. We are now in the year 2003. This matchup between the Bucks and the Oakland Raiders with the Bucks coming out on top. Taylor, give me the leading passer, rusher, and receiver. Brad Johnson was the quarterback. Correct. Ooh, okay. So they had two running backs, or I should say they had a fullback that ran the ball. So was it him? Well, receiver I should do receiver first then. Sure. Uh, was it Keyshawn Johnson? It actually was not. You ready for this one? Let's name a guy. Joe Juravicious, baby. Oh, I love Joe Juravicious. Four receptions oh, for 78 him. yards. Keyshawn had six receptions for 69 yards. Nice. God, I love Joe Jurevicious. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, hmm, leading rusher. Uh, <clears throat> work done? Ooh. No, sir. It is not. And, of course, you were talking about the great Mike Allstott as the fullback. It was not him. He was second <laughs> to. No, it is not current NFL wide receiver Michael Pittman, but it is the running back Michael Pittman who ran for 124 yards on 29 carries in this one. Wow. Oh, yeah. Weird game, that one. That's a very weird. weird. All right. We are now on to Patriots, Panthers. Patriots win this one 32 to 29. Taylor, give me the top three. Yeah, I'll give you the bullshit kicker that kicked the kickoff out of bounds to set the Patriots up to win the game. That was John Casey. Absolute foolishness. Thanks for nothing, butthead. Um, So, Brady, obviously. Correct. No, that game from him, though. Uh, no, actually, this was one of the better ones. What am I saying? Yeah, 354 and three touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. This was 32-29 game. All right, so was Antoine Smith still the running back? It was Antoine Smith. Yes, sir. Wow. Leading receiver in that game. I think the overall leading receiver would be Mushin Muhammad, but wrong team. Uh, So I'm going to say Troy Brown again. <laughs> Incorrect. You were also very close there. Mushin Muhammad actually had three yards less than Dion Branch, who was the leading receiver for the Patriots with 143 yards on 10 receptions. Mushin Muhammad had four receptions for 140 yards. That obviously including an 85-yarder. And Troy Brown, he ended up having a, a decent game here too. He had eight receptions for 76 yards. But no, Dion Branch was the leader there. Move it. Right, well, I'll start you up for next year. What's that? Next year, Deion Branch is the receiver. Well, this one being between the Patriots and the Eagles. Go on. Continue. T.O. probably had the most actual yards in that game, but Deion Branch, Super Bowl MVP, most yards. Corey Dillon, the running back, and then Brady, quarterback. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, Deion Branch had 133 yards in this one on 11 receptions. Corey Dillon had 75 yards on 18 touches. 
or 18 carries, I should say, Brady having 236 yards here. And T.O., let's see, what did he finish with? Yeah, 122 yards. So, again, Deion Branch, leading receiver there. Wow. All right. On to the next. This being a matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks. Pittsburgh picking up the win in this one, 21 to 10. Taylor, who was their leading passer, rusher, and receiver? Um, well, Willie Parker had a 75-yard touchdown, so I think he's got to be the rusher. Correct. Um, this is one of the only games where leading um, passer is in question uh, because Ben Roethlisberger had a terrible game and Antoine Randall threw a touchdown. He but did. It's it's still Roethlisberger, I got to say. Yep, you are correct. And then Heinz Ward, Super Bowl MVP. Yep, the- Heinz Ward had a hundred, yeah, 123 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Antoine Randall, yeah, he had a 43-yard touchdown pass. Ben Roethlisberger only threw for 123 yards in this one. And uh, you said Willie Parker, correct, as your leading rusher? Yep. Yep, he had 93 yards in this one. Nice. Moving on, we're running into now Indianapolis versus Chicago. Indianapolis picking up the win 29-17. Taylor, passer, rusher, and receiver. Uh. Peyton Manning, Joseph Adai, and receiver. That's tough, but I'm going to say Elsa Harrison is receiver. You went one for three there, Taylor. Ooh, is it Dominic Rhodes and Reggie it is, Wayne? It is Dominic Rhodes with 113 yards compared to Joseph Adai's 77. And Reggie Wayne had 61 yards to Marvin Harrison's 59. So very, very close. I think you're up to, I want to say four wrong, four or five wrong now. Which is very good in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) Very good. All right. We're on to a good Super Bowl here. New York Giants 17, New England Patriots 14. What do you got? Okay. Well, Eli Manning. Correct. 255 yards. Ooh, the receiver is going to be tough because it could be really one of two guys. I'm Same for running back. Yeah. I don't remember one of the running back's names. Oh, Shit. Taylor. I know one of them, so I'll just say the one I know, Brandon Jacobs. That is incorrect. He was behind by three yards trailing Ahmad Bradshaw. Oh, it was Ahmad Bradshaw? Okay. I do know yep. him. I thought it was before Ahmad Bradshaw. That's why I was like, oh, you do. You do know. Who is the leading right, receiver? Well, this is tough, but I'm going to say David Tyree as a number one receiver. Incorrect. Amani Toomer had 84 wow, yards. Okay, so I was between two guys, and they were both wrong. Yeah, who was the other one? Plax. Plax had only two receptions for 27 yards and, of course, a touchdown in that game. Yeah, famous touchdown. Very, very famous Asante touchdown. Asante Samuel on skates. All right, Taylor, we got two more to go here. We're on to Pittsburgh versus Arizona. In 2009, the Steelers win this one 27-23. to Yes. Um, Again, leading receiver, I think, is on the losing team. I think the leading receiver is probably Larry Fitzgerald. But Super Bowl MVP that year was Santonio Holmes. So, And you are correct. 
you're you're one for two there. You are correct about Santonio Holmes, but for the third time, you are incorrect that Santonio that that the leading receiver was on the other team was not on the losing team. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald in this one ended up having 127 yards to Santonio Holmes 131 yards. Oh wow, close! I thought wow, I would have thought Fitzgerald had more. Man, that guy never had a bad playoff game. That Larry Fitzgerald, insane run in 2008. Definitely. Um, so. All right, so we got Roethlisberger, quarterbacks, Antonio Holmes. And then, ooh, interesting. I remember the Steelers being weirdly terrible at running the ball that year. Huh. Uh, but I guess I'll just say Willie Parker. You are correct. Nicely done, sir. We are on to our last one here. I believe, I want to say, what are you up to, six wrong? Uh, I think. Yeah, I think so. Should be me keeping track of that, sorry. We'll, we'll call it six. New Orleans, Indianapolis, the Saints win this one 31 to 17. Um, oh, this is gonna be a tough one running back wise, I think. You are Actually, correct. It's be a tough one all around. Oh, Drew Brees, obviously, quarterback. Yep. Receiver. They had multiple good receivers on this team. So I'll just guess the best one. Marcus Colston. You are correct. Good, good, good. Running back. Oh man. One of two choices. Yeah, so this is the post Deuce McAllister era, so no him. And I, but it's before Mark Ingram. Correct. I know Reggie Bush is there. Pierre Thomas is probably also there. I don't know. I guess I'll just have to say Reggie Bush. Oh, you are so close, Taylor. It is Pierre Thomas. Pierre Thomas had 30 yards rushing, and Reggie Bush had 25 in this one. Yeesh. Well done. Seven. Not too bad. That was really good. Thanks. Excellent stuff, my friend. What's your prediction for the game? Uh, Doom and despair. Oh, God. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but, you know, I don't want them to. Fair enough. I feel similar, but I'm going to either way, even though I think uh, it may unfortunately be inevitable, I'm still going to say San Francisco is going to come out on top, led by the man who the MVP was really robbed from, Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I you know what? I want Brock Purdy to win. And, uh, you know, because our friend Brock, I have positive associations with the name Brock, obviously your bandmate, our fantasy football friend. Oh, yes. Uh, podcast guest once for a trivia episode. Correct. And also Brock, the trainer on Pokemon. Three great Brocks. Yes. So Truly. That's what I want. Can you name a good Travis? I can't. No, no. Either murderous concert hosts or podcast hosts. So double-edged sword for sure. Yeesh. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry for any Travis I mean, Scott fans out there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know about this one. This is unfortunate. I Going through those Super Bowls, though, I would say, I don't know about you. So I love, obviously, that the Giants beat the Patriots. That was hilarious. It's my favorite one. But that whole game was nothing but stress. I did not enjoy the game at all. True. I thought the Patriots were going to win. So it was re- big relief after. But the one Super Bowl I probably enjoyed most in my life is Steelers-Cardinals. That was crazy, man. I said San Antonio Holmes touchdown catch is one of the absolute fucking craziest catches uh, in memory. So many, like, insane plays in that game. You have the James Harrison pick six. Oh, 
That was a great one too. Wow. You have the Larry Fitzgerald like seventy yard touchdown to take the lead. Yep. Man, a lot of great stuff in that game. Just a great time. That that Cardinals team as well. Honestly, neither of those teams were that good. No. Both teams. I mean, the Steelers did a great defense. Look at Ben Roethlisberger's stats that year. Not good. No. Look at the Cardinals' defensive stats. Crazy. Yeah. What a fun game that was. And it was. Show. Say again? Springsteen halftime show. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he killed. Are you excited yes. to see Usher? Who do we yeah. think is going to be one of the uh, the guests to come out, if any? Uh, I hope Lil John comes out. Oh, my God. I will lose my goddamn mind if he does. Isn't he that from Vegas? Amazing. Is he actually? Oh, dude, even better then. He's with the, all the Knights games. Dude, wow. Okay, that would be amazing then. Yeah. Go Niners. Also, something I always remember from that uh, Super Bowl 43, I think that was, Cardinal Steelers. God, we're getting old. That was like 15 years ago. Um, Bob Costas, when they went to the halftime show, is after so after the actual halftime performance by Springsteen, goes to the studio show, and Bob Costas goes, James Harrison, a man you probably thought wasn't born to run. <laughs> like, oh, Bob, Jesus Christ. I think that's a great one. I don't know why you're <laughs> groaning about that. I think that's an elite call right there. Beautiful uh, time. I that's... actually remember the next week, Keenan Thompson on SNL was James Harrison on Weekend Update, and he still had the oxygen with him. Oh, my God. That was, that was a hilarious one. So good. So, so good. All right. Well, hopefully it'll be an entertaining one then. Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Yeah, recommendation. American Fiction. Nominated for Best Picture. Jeffrey Wright is nominated, I think, for Best Actor. Core Jefferson, I think, is nominated. He um, he made it. And if you want to talk about inspiring, in just a few short years, Core Jefferson went from writing for Bill Simmons's uh, failed HBO show to writing uh, The Watchmen to writing a Academy Award-nominated film. And I got to say, two thumbs up. It's great. It's Good crazy you say that because I feel like that just is describing your future career path. <laughs> yeah especially starting off with the first one the fa- the failed bill simmons hbo show yeah let's get another one going bill <laughs> all right well sounds great you heard it here first folks that being said everybody thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows across both networks and make sure you're following the charging buffalo and hockey podcast network on facebook twitter and instagram where you can also find us straight up sabers and before you close out of this app whatever you're using to listen to this episode make sure you're either following or subscribe to us and we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice rating or review last but not least we have our wonderful sponsor don't we love them so much when you're making your bets at any time even though this episode is coming out after the the game but either way make sure you're using DraftKings Sportsbook to make all of your bets and use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals we'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday everybody have a great start to your week this has been Straight Up Sabres Sabres